What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. All right, today's podcast is brought to you by Thera one CBD, NFL Sunday Ticket, and Bet Online. We're going to be joined today by Craig Ackerman of AT&T Sportsnet to discuss Rockets Thunder Game 1 through Game 3. And we're going to preview a little bit of Game 4, but we're mainly going to break down what happened in Game 1 through Game 3. Hope you guys enjoy. Blue Liar. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us. No! James Harden just caught a body here in Los Angeles. And Westbrook is on the And we are back, joined by Craig Ackerman of AT&T Sportsnet. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Looking forward to uh, Game 4 and uh, seeing if the Rockets uh, can get their third win. So we're three games in, and the Rockets lead this series 2-1. What to you has been the most interesting part of the series? Um, well, I mean, if you examine it from OK, OKC's perspective, it's um, they found their new Andre Robertson uh, and. And Lou Dort, uh, for my money, um, when you go back a couple of years before the, the injury that Robertson suffered and all of the, the complications that he had trying to get back from it, um, for my money, when he was fully healthy, I always considered him easily the best James Harden defender in the NBA. Um, but Lou Dort is giving me and him a run for the money. I think he has been absolutely uh, terrific for them and has a big, been a big reason why. Um, they won game three uh, up until that 17 or running game two, why they were much more competitive in that second game as opposed to the opener of this series uh, when he did not play because he was out with that knee sprain. So from their perspective, um, that, I think that's the, the, the storyline uh, there uh, for the Rockets. Obviously, through two games, it was their was their defensive intensity. Um, but I think now as this series is we're, we're three games in and again, the Rockets, I expected this to go six games. So. Uh, I know it's disappointing, and it always feels like the end of the world when your team ends up losing a playoff game or a couple of playoff games. But I expected this series to go six. I thought the Rockets would win this series in six games, and I still feel that uh, the Rockets are going to win this series. But from a Rockets perspective, you know, again, initially it was their outstanding um, defense and effort, and Jeff Green has been tremendous uh, all season. But I, we've, I have personally been saying this all year, and we've been saying this for years since Eric Gordon has been with the Rockets. Um, they need Eric Gordon to be Eric Gordon if they expect to win on a regular basis. And he had a very good opener 
opening game to this series uh, and has really struggled from three in the last two. And again, they, they need him to get back on track moving forward if they expect to make a deep playoff run. So I'm going to read two numbers to you and I want to guess what I want you to guess what they are. Okay. Um, the first number is 110.1 and the second number is 107.4. So what are those? Well, they'll, they'll sound either like offensive or defensive ratings. Correct. Yeah, so that's Houston's defensive rating last year in the regular season versus the postseason. So they got better by almost three points per 100 possessions once they got to the playoffs last year. Here are their numbers this year. In the regular season, they had a defensive rating of 109.8. Through three games of the playoffs so far, they have a defensive rating of 105.9. So I don't know what's going on, but my best guess is these guys get really bored and can't be bothered to defend in the regular season and then flip the switch in the postseason. (laughs) Uh, well, I mean, uh, yeah, this is a veteran group, and we all know that the intensity ratchets up uh, in the playoffs. Maybe that has something to do with it. Who knows? Yeah, whatever the case, they've been really good defensively. Their switches have been timely. Their communication's been good. Yeah. And, and probably the biggest thing, rebounding hasn't been that much of a problem for them. Like, sure, they're still getting out-rebounded, but it's not by much. They've kept the, they kept the differential under 10 every game. They're not getting killed, and I think that's the most important thing. Uh, but I will admit, I that's, for me personally, not all that unexpected because Oklahoma City is not a very good rebounding team. They used to be elite for years. I mean, like the best yeah. rebounding team in the league. But overall, they came into this series bottom third, uh, second to last in offensive rebounding percentage. So to me, the fact that the Rockets are hanging in on hanging in there on the glass uh, doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, I figured they would be out-rebounded, but I didn't think they would be uh, destroyed on the glass because, again, OKC is just not – an elite uh, rebounding team. But I think I think so, all the various other things that we thought about and we knew about OKC coming into this series are, are, are sort of um, playing out. Um, they're one of the better defensive teams in the league. Um, having Lou Dort in their lineup is much better for them than not having uh, him in there. They, they, they defend without fouling. They've gone to the foul line a lot more than the Rockets have. And I know a lot of Rockets fans are scratching their heads, particularly with some of the calls or non-calls. Uh, in game three, but typically OKC is a team that does not foul very often when they defend, much like the Rockets, they're top five in the league in free throw attempts, so they're a team that does get to the free throw line uh, quite a bit. They, they defend against transition points very well. Um, you know, OKC is who they are. I thought game three was sort of a typical – now, look, the Rockets are up five with a minute to go, and when you're up by five with a minute to go, you expect to close out that game. Uh, they did not. The Rockets certainly had made enough – of their own mistakes in the final minute of game three, where um, you can easily say, and probably should say that they let that thing go. They had that win and then just lost it. But that was a typical kind of OKC game. You know, the, the, the best fourth quarter team of the league, the best clutch, the best clutch time team of the league. And they made the plays late. The Rockets didn't, and they won. And I expected this series to be very tight. And I expect all the remaining games in this series to be tied. I think game one was a bit of an aberration. Again, the Rockets had that huge run in the fourth quarter in game two to pull away. But I expect the, the, all of these games, for however long this series goes along, I expect them to more or less resemble what happened in game three. They're going to be tight. They're going to be close. And it's going to come down who to which team can make the better plays, the more, more of the better plays uh, late uh, will come out on top. Yeah. Can we backtrack and talk about Lou Dort for a second? Sure. <clears throat> 
Because I'm watching him defend James Harden, and I feel like I'm seeing the second coming of Marcus Smart. Like, so far, the Rockets have found no answer for Lou Dort other than trying to get him switched off Harden. But here's the problem. This guy busts his to get through screens better than... So hard. Yeah, better than 90% of the NBA. And the Rockets cannot shake him, and they don't have anyone who's big enough to keep the screen on Dort. That might be an area where they actually miss Clint Capella. And... I think it's legitimately stymied Harden. I'm not. I'm sure Harden's going to make adjustments and find ways to score on Dort. He always does. But I got, I've got to give the young guy credit. He's been as good as advertised. He had a lot, a lot of hype going into the series, and he's been as good as everyone said he was going to be. And yet, James is still averaging 32 points per game in this series. That speaks to the right. level of brilliance uh, from James Harden. But no, we got to give the young man his due. Um, he. Uh, you know, he's he's bigger uh, than Marcus Smart. He's thicker. He's built very similar to to James Harden, so he can match him. You know, James Harden is, is just a, a bully out there. He, he's got a very sturdily built frame. So does Lou Dort. Um, it allows the Thunder to uh, play him straight up with one guy, which, um, you know, allows their defenders to stay home. Uh, on three-point shooters, although the Rockets have gotten more than their fair share of wide-open shots, which for, for, for at least for the last couple of games, they have not gone in. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the guy deserves um, a lot of the credit um, for the way that, that James Harden has struggled, particularly when he's been matched up with him. It seems like James is, look, he, he kind of had his way, especially in the second half in game one when Dort uh, was out. He's, he's still put up monster numbers uh, in this series, but they've limited his efficiency. And I think we kind of talked about the same thing when the Rockets used to face Russell Westbrook all the time when he was with Oklahoma city, there were games where Russ would throw up 54, 55, 50 points, 47 points. And you would look at the end of the day, you would look at how efficient or non-efficient he was. And you would say, you know what? He got his, but we did our job. And I think that's what Oklahoma city probably is, is thinking about in this series that James is still putting up significant numbers, but we're making him as inefficient as possible. So they're doing their job. He's doing his job. So I usually bite my tongue when it comes to coaching criticisms because just because it feels like most of these guys do a pretty good job and I think fans kind of overreact to it. But I kind of want to talk about Billy Donovan for a second, if you don't mind indulging me. Sure. So all year, we in the media have talked about how Mike D'Antoni didn't get an extension last summer and how he was on the last year of his deal. But you know who else is on the last year of his deal? Billy Donovan. And watching this series has been pretty eye-opening for me. So they open up the series looking completely flustered against Houston and their switching scheme. And fair enough, they didn't know how to attack it. Chris Paul, after the game, talked about the uniqueness of their defense. And I'm like, look, this is their first time playing the microball Rockets. I think they earned a pass for game one. But then they open up game two with pretty much the same exact confusion and lack of game plan on offense. And their biggest adjustment seemingly the whole game was getting Lou Dort back, uh, which was huge for them, as we talked about. But then down the stretch, they bench Dort in favor of their three-guard lineup. And in my head, I'm thinking, you cannot play a minute of basketball with James Harden on the floor without Lou Dort at this point. Like, at this point, you have to match their minutes. There's nobody else on the court for OKC that can defend him. He's torching Dennis Schroeder, which is where Harden's getting a lot of his and points. And Schroeder's a really good defender. Right. And, and I've, But in terms of guarding Harden, it's a pretty big mismatch. Oh, he's not and, strong enough. He's just not big enough and strong enough. Right. And... Your instinct in crunch time is to do what you did in the regular season to, to, with the three-guard lineup, and I get that. But excuse my language, but this is the f- 
playoffs, man. Like, I understand the third, the Thunder have gotten comfortable with that lineup, but you have to make adjustments or at least find a way to get Dort in there. If that were me, I'm pulling Steven Adams out of the game uh, because it's not like he's helping helping me much in crunch time of the series. And I'm putting in Lou Dort, full stop. We cannot play Steven Adams in crunch time anymore. That has become glaringly obvious. So then a few minutes later, Lou Dort's about to check in. And I'm like, okay, finally, Billy Donovan gets it. But then he subs in it, subs him in for somebody else, and he keeps playing Steven Adams. He and came I'm like, in for Gallinari, I think. Right. And I'm like, it's 2020. Like, why would you willingly shrink the floor on offense like that when you don't have to? The Thunder just look like an unprepared basketball team right now. What have you thought about the way they've looked? I thought some of the substitution patterns uh, late last night were were, um, were odd. But, but, you know, I think the coaches and organizations um, come to sort of uh, uh, an agreement that, okay, this is what we do. This is what we do, do well. This is our DNA. And more times than not, um, the default mechanism by coaches is to always lean back on what got them there and what they ultimately do well. And so, and varying from that is very difficult. Um, I think um, for quite a few coaches uh, out there to sort of drastically adjust their personnel, how they do things, what do they do with rotations and so on and so forth. I think they're just, they're sort of creatures or habits as, as, as the season goes along. And again, they've determined what has got them there to that point and what they, what they, what they realize most of the season has been, uh, given them their most success and they try not to waver from that because then I think they feel that then if they do waver from that, they might get too cute and then it might come back to bite them. And then they get questioned on whether or not, you know, why, why didn't you do all the things that made you so successful in the first place? So I, I am not being a coach myself and, and not being in their mind as, as these things play out. I think, I think as I've noticed and I've been around the league a lot, I think that's what ultimately uh, they fall back on because they feel like they're sort of in a, a damned if you do damned if you don't. Um, position um, that if they don't stick with their greatest strengths, that they're going to be criticized. And if they do go away with it and it still doesn't work, then they're going to be even criticized more. So I, again, I think that has something, something uh, to do with that. But I do think some of the the, the decisions in terms of their personnel uh, in, in the game uh, in game three late um, were, were strange. Uh, but again, you got to give them credit um, and the Rockets, you know, they, they kind of helped them with some of the, the their own meltdown uh, late in game three, but they got the job done, which they've typically, again, done, have done most of the year in crunch time. Uh, they got the win, and now we have ourselves a series. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help you soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary TheraGun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He started TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic, but it still contains up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified, organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality made available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now, Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash blue. 
blue wire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely going to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash blue wire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash blue wire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus NFL Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSunday.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code Blue wire. Yeah, and listen, like I completely agree about the comfort zone. Like it, it's really difficult if if you're if you're OKC and you have the win percentage of a fifty-one team. Who the hell am I for to, to tell you that you have to do something different, right? And the three-guard lineup has been the best lineup right. in the NBA. It's been written about like constantly, but you don't have to deviate from that. You can keep the three guards in. I think OKC's best lineup, and I've said this for a few days now, is Lou Dort plus the three guards and Gallo at center. Full stop. I think you can't play Steven Adams in crunch time. Uh, defensively, you have to have Dort out there. And offensively, I think you can survive in today's NBA with one non-shooter out there. Um, now, let's be clear. Uh, the, the Rockets are not even close to pretending to defend uh, Dort on the perimeter. Like He's out there on the perimeter as wide open as he's ever going to be. Right. If you're the if you're the Thunder, you have to have him constantly cutting to the rim like he's Andre Iguodala to compensate for that floor spacing. And I'm surprised. I'm just a little surprised it took a Steven Adams injury for them to figure that out, that that was their best lineup. I'm curious to see what they do in game four. Uh, again, Adams is a guy who's been there forever, um, is a big part of, of what they do. But you can say that a lot about most big guys in the league. Are they playable against this group of the Rockets? And the answer typically is no if they're not able to step out on the perimeter and knock down some shots, particularly threes. They're just against the Rockets. They're, they're just not playable. And that's what the Rockets are ultimately banking on, right? With this group that they're so different from everybody else um, that they're going to force you to try to match up with them as opposed to the other way around. And if you do try to match up with them, then in essence, you're kind of playing into their, into their hands. And that was always the cat and mouse game, right? When, um, when the Warriors were at their peak. Um, because they played small ball better than anybody in the league. And so teams were trying to match up with their personnel and their personnel in those situations weren't as good as theirs. Uh, and ultimately, you typically always were, were beaten uh, by Golden State. And so that's what the Rockets are, are banking on here. Um, and, and maybe we'll see more of that uh, moving forward in this series. I mean, I think Gallinari is a terrific player. And again, uh, in Oklahoma City, they philo- philosophically threw two coaches um, uh, you know, going back to, to Scott Brooks, they've decided, and a lot of that had to do when, when he was coaching and then the, and then the beginning of the, uh, the Billy Donovan era that they had two incredible offensive players in Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, that they could always survive with basically playing, playing four on five on offense, um, with that one, you know, Andre Robertson, probably the, the worst three point shooter uh, in the history of the league. Uh, but they yeah. could always survive with that because they had so many other offensive weapons at their disposal. And that tradition for them is sort of have carried on and, and they feel that they have enough offense with that three guard lineup and Gallo uh, to survive. But maybe, maybe we'll see some more of that uh, moving forward. I think from a Rockets perspective, they will continue to prefer to have Adams on the floor because again, he's not a, he's not a floor spacing five. So I think the Rockets will be fine with that. And again, that we'll, we'll see 
we'll see how that thing progresses as this thing goes along. And, and listen, I'll, I'm going to give Billy Donovan some credit because it's not it's not like he didn't make any adjustments in Game Three. Like they played faster, so they didn't have to play against Houston's set defense, and they gave the ball to Shea Gilgis Alexander in isolation, who's probably their best ISO scorer. Uh, on the team all respect to Chris Paul I think Shea is better in isolation at this point in his career uh, they did make some adjustments and I think that did prove to prove well for them in game three uh, even at, at the half of game two I, I thought they cut the game and they, they had opportunities to come back they just didn't do it um, by the way uh, you, you you talk about players who can't play against the Rockets Mike D'Antoni gets a lot of criticism for how short his playoff rotations are right now he's playing an eight-man rotation that's pretty good uh, the Thunder because of the way the Rockets play are playing like six guys right now. Well, there was another adjustment. Billy Donovan shrunk his rotation in game three. Yeah, yeah. And like they're getting like 30 minutes combined from Nerlens Noel and Darius Baisley. But for the most part, they're playing like six guys. And the Rockets just do this to a lot of teams by the way they play. They shrink their rotations. They did it against the Jazz. They did it to the Warriors. And you can only play certain types of players against them. And it gets pretty grueling by the end of the series. I think... In that way, OKC is a pretty bad matchup because they can't string together seven guys who can play uh, the way they want to play in the series. Especially when a lot of those guys off the bench who are very good defensively, they just, as you mentioned, you you can't typically against the Rockets get away with two non-floor spacers. Uh, and, you know, and guys like, and I, I, you know what, I actually like Baisley. I think he's actually played pretty darn well in this series. I think he's got a really bright future. He's got a big body. He can knock down threes. Um, I think that was an excellent pickup for them. I, I think that they 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 nailed another um, you know pick uh, with another young player. He's not like, he's not going to be a superstar or anything, but I think he can be an ap- a very serviceable role player uh, moving forward. But is he quite ready yet? N- not not yet. What is he? Twenty years old and a rookie. But Terrence Ferguson, his his play out for whatever reason has just fallen off the map um, this season. I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or or, or what, but. You know, he didn't even play in game three. Same thing with Diallo. He's very athletic, very springy, but he's he's not a good floor spacer. So, um, so yeah, they're going to – I mean, maybe as this thing goes along, fatigue will become a factor for them, especially if, if they have to limit the minutes from, from Steven Adams. And Noel has not – Noel has been very productive for them for two straight years, but uh, has not done much uh, in this series. Um, and, and maybe, you know, the, the Rockets eight guys, and if they get – you know, if they get back Russ sooner rather than later – That'll be nine playable players for the Rockets and perhaps maybe only six and a half for OKC. And that it will be a factor, the fatigue factor as this series moves along. Yeah, and listen, like these are guys who are in their rotation. Like Mike, Mike Muscala, uh, Hamadou Diallo, Terrence Ferguson, each of these guys were playing at least 15 minutes a game for, for OKC. These aren't just guys who were like getting five to 10 minutes a game. These were legitimate rotation players. They just, you know, like I, I agree with you. I think they would like, they would love to have some Terrence Ferguson in this series. They just can't play these guys. Yeah, I don't tough. know what happened to him, man. I mean, he never was a great offensive player, but this year, I mean, it's just like he's like he, he's a zero, and then he he's not he's just not defending well enough for for Billy Donovan to to trust him to stay on the floor. They, again, they can live with with Dort and his lack of offensive abilities, but uh, because because he's defending at such a ridiculous level. But yeah, Fer, Ferguson's been very very disappointing for them this season. Yeah, and by the way, we we were just talking about uh, how. Houston's managing to squeeze out an eight-man rotation. A lot of that is because Jeff Green has been fantastic yep. for, for Houston on both ends of the floor. Uh, I say so far because it's Jeff Green, and it can be kind of a roller coaster sometimes, but here are his stats in the playoffs. Uh, almost 20 points per game, 6.7 rebounds per game, 61% shooting from the field, 
52% shooting from three on, and that's not just like on two or three attempts per game. That's on seven attempts per game. This guy's been a dead eye shooter for Houston these first three games. Out of all the outcomes in the world when the Rockets first signed Jeff Green, this is on the higher end of things that I expected. I, I don't think this is what they expected when they signed him for that original 10 day contract. There's a strong possibility that his production will tail off pretty soon. But he's been a diamond in the rough for them so far. It's like a perfect fit, both for him personally and for the Rockets. Um, their style of play, their philosophy, their roster. He's just, he's like the perfect small ball five. Um, you know, he can pick and pop. He can pick and roll. He can pick and, and handle and play make. He can, you know, it, it's been, in essence, sort of been at times allowed James Harden to play off the balls as, as, a, pseudo, as a pseudo point five. Uh, if you will, he's just kind of been uh, the perfect fit. I mean, his his finishing ability uh, around the rim has been darn near perfect um, for the Rockets, which is something you know that you brought up. You know, uh, the element of not having Clint Capella there, I think, as having his ability to to to, to roll and finish uh, is is really important. He's not finishing in the same manner uh, that Clint Capella was at his peak with the Rockets, but having a big guy or a bigger guy uh, to be able to do that uh, has is nice. He's been a revelation. I, I, I mean, I don't think those, those kinds of shooting numbers are particularly those from three are, are sustainable. They're not sustainable for anybody, um, but he's been terrific. And I sure would like to see uh, Robert Covington. Maybe, maybe he can, maybe, um, you know, maybe Jeff Green can give a little bit of that shot making uh, to Robert Covington because Robert is in terms of his offensive production uh, has not enjoyed Orlando very much. Did you make a pick going into the series? Like, how long did you think this was going to go? I thought the Rockets would win it in six. But I, th- I thought every single game, basically, would be a coin flip. Um, right. I, th- I thought this was going to be a very evenly matched um, uh, series. Uh, the Rockets have much better high-end talent um, than do the OKC Thunder. But they're gritty. They defend well. A lot of things that they do so well defensively uh, limit what the Rockets want to do well offensively. And so I thought... From that perspective, it's going to be a good matchup. you got to give them a ton of credit for being the best clutch team in the league. And, and Chris Paul doing his thing in crunch time. He's been the best clutch player all season long. I, I thought this was going to be a six-game series. The Rockets, I thought, were going to win. I still believe that. Um, uh, but I thought every game would come would be tight. And so I was surprised by what happened in game one. Uh, game two was, was, was pretty nip and tuck again until that big run the Rockets had uh, in the fourth quarter. But I think most of the games, the remainder of the series, are going to resemble what we saw in game three, they're going to be a battle. It's going to be the Rockets are going to have to earn their keep each and every night because OKC um, defensively can just kind of take away um, those areas that the Rockets excel at. And then they just have a knack for getting the job done with the game on the line. Yeah, I agree. I had the Rockets in six as well. And I thought every game was going to be a coin toss pretty much. Um, and I still, to some extent, don't believe that the Rockets are like 15 points a game better than the Thunder. I think, you know, the, the Thunder have kind of un- underplayed their hand a little bit, but it'll be interesting to see what happens in game four. So, so what are you, what are you looking for in game four, by the way? Like, and how long do you think this series goes now? Um, uh, well, I mean, they're up two one. I now I'll stick with my prediction uh, of, of six games. Um, I, I just think it's going to be more of the same, uh, you know, and with with all that said, and I know that 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 some fans get tired of of hearing the well, we got the shots we wanted, we just didn't hit them. Well, it's true. The Rockets are getting the shots that they want. Um, they're just you know, particularly those threes, uh, and, and they're generating more open threes in Orlando than they did at any point during the course 
of the regular season. And as an organization, they're going to live with that. Um, sometimes shots go in, sometimes they don't. I mean, they won game two and they missed 15 straight threes uh, to end uh, the first half, um, bringing sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, some really bad memories back to the surface from, from game seven against Golden State a couple of years ago. Um, but, you know, the Rockets are going to do what they do. They're going to do what they do again tomorrow. Um, they're going to take a, a boatload of threes. It would be nice again if if Eric Gordon, um, what is he shooting, 15% from downtown in this series? That's You would think that that's not sustainable. I don't see anything. I, I mean, I, I will admit, I, I don't study his mechanics all that much, but I don't see anything wrong uh, with his mechanics. Um, shots just aren't going in. But, man, the Rockets are desperate. He And, and come on, we all know that Eric's going to be desperate to see those shots drop. But I mean, they're going to get – I mean, Robert Covington, um, you know, is getting shots that, that you would think that he would hit down. Uh, he was limited in foul trouble. Uh, and Mike D'Antoni has since said that he probably should have played him a little more because he probably played him out of rhythm because of the foul trouble. Um, but I, I think we're just going to see more. I think the DNA of these two teams are what they are. They're not going to change. I think we're going to see more of the same moving forward in this series. Um, perhaps maybe they they can, you know, some people have suggested running some more, you know, in, inverted pick and roll with, with Harden and particularly Jeff Green to try to get him away uh, from Lou Dort. I know it's against the Rockets DNA to put James Harden uh, down low with his back to the basket, but he's had some limited success and limited opportunities doing that. Uh, in this series, maybe that's something that they can do more of, although I probably would not expect much of that because they just don't they don't believe in that. Um, so we'll see. But I, again, I think this is going to be a battle. I, I really do. Um, and may and then whenever Russ comes back, maybe that's ultimately, you know, um, the thing that pushes the Rockets uh, ahead and ahead for good in this thing. But we don't know when he's going to come back. So that's interesting you mentioned James Harden in the mid-post against Lou Dort because that was actually when he found some of his success. Like, he, he drew a foul there, and I think, I think he got a layup on Steven Adams in the mid-post there in that area. I, I would actually like to see some more of that from Harden, especially if he gets matched up against Lou Dort and they can't, they, they can't find a way to screen him off of him. Just put him in the post. I, I, I think Harden can handle his own. Lou Dort's pretty strong, but I think Harden's a little stronger. Uh, I'd like to see that matchup, you know? I'd like to see if he can draw some more fouls in that area. Um, and you talked about Eric Gordon there for a second. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you about the three-point shooting? Because I agree, I don't see anything wrong with the mechanics, but this has been a thing for him all season. And, you know, the Rockets might be able to get away with the series win uh, without his shooting and uh, against the Thunder. But going forward, they're going to need Eric Gordon at full capacity. Like, how concerned are you about that? On a scale of one to ten, um, I probably put it at about an eight and a half. I'm I'm pretty concerned about it um, because I know how important he is to the success of this team. Um, when he plays up to the level that he expects from himself and the coaches expect from him, and all of us uh, expect from Eric Gordon, the Rockets are pretty darn tough to beat. Um, and I, that's why I think he's so important moving forward. That he he's got to find those shots of they, they've got to start dropping. I mean, you know, he hit the three, uh, you know, when Mike Dan, when, when the, when that group did not play well at all in the first half of, of the seeding games finale against Philly and Mike D'Antoni threw them back out there for the first half of the third quarter, his original intentions weren't to do that, but because they were so disappointing, he threw them back out there 
to try to get into a rhythm a little bit. When Eric hit those three threes, it was like, I think a lot of people, including myself, are like, okay, maybe this is something that can to kind of get him going again. Uh, in, in game one, um, not great, uh, but two for six is better than 15%. It's better than the 31% um, that he shot from three uh, in the regular season. So I, I am, I'm fairly concerned. I don't know why they're not going in, uh, but they're not, and the Rockets need them to start going in. I agree. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be something that the Rockets need to monitor. I I think he'll turn around. Like he's not going to shoot fifteen percent from three. I think he'll at least get that back up to like thirty two uh, by the end of uh, the next series the Rockets play. Uh, and and at this point, I think the Rockets will 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 live with that. Um, again, not not great, but they'll live with it. And I think that you can say that the same way about about the Rockets as a team. As long as they don't as long as they don't shoot below thirty two percent from three on their volume. They'll be just fine. 32% is nothing to write home about. Well below league average. But with their volume, they'll take it, and they feel like the math will ultimately add up in their favor uh, at the end of the day on their volume, even if they're only shooting about 32%. But they, you know, it's not sustainable to shoot 30% or below from three for this team on their volume. More times than not, they're going to lose games. But when they get 32-plus percent, more times than not, they're going to win. And I think Eric Gordon um, is a big part of the Rockets' three-point uh, percentage, um, good or bad. And um, it would be nice to see if, if he could get back up um, to his career averages. Um, and much like Jeff Green, as you mentioned, I don't think Jeff's going to continue to shoot the way he's been shooting, so that will come down a little bit. And conversely, I don't think that, that Eric's going to continue to shoot 15% moving forward. So hopefully both guys can, can settle into a happy medium, and I think the Rockets will be just fine. Yeah, and the fact that they've been able to win games is to their credit defensively. They've been so good that it's mm-hmm. not it hasn't hurt them. Um, so thank you so much for coming on, Craig. Uh, where can we where can we follow you on Twitter and, and follow your work on AT and Sportsnet? Uh, well, uh, on AT and T Sportsnet, uh, also uh, on Sports Talk seven ninety or News Radio seven forty KTRH for those games that that I do radio um, after the first round. Um, uh, you know, I'll I'll do radio for for all the games. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well at uh, ca underscore rockets. Thank you so much, Craig. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including an NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there is no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casinos never close. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, that was Craig Ackerman. Make sure to follow him on social media and catch him on AT&T Sportsnet for the rest of Rockets Thunder. Uh, make sure to follow this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Also, we have a Twitter page, which I don't do a good enough job of promoting, but you can follow us there. We tweet out clips of the podcast, and we tweet out when the podcast is released. So you guys can be the first to catch it. And yeah, guys, good night.